Hey guys, welcome back. This is Chris Bircher. This is Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom. This is episode 89, Trade-Offs. Now last time we talked a little bit about how it takes a village, and today I want to talk about the, the sacrifices and the compromises that we have to make when we're on this um, this uh, personal growth journey, right? This as we as we try to apply some of the lessons of the R versus should. If we want to live more in our R and realize the things that we want in life, and 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 more easily sort of navigate the decisions that we have to make because we listen to what we want, and we know that we feel, uh, rather than letting this voice of what Don Miguel Ruiz calls domestication from society and church and our families, tell us what we should be doing. The more we can ignore the should and live in our R, the more free we're going to be, the calmer we're going to be, the more peace there's going to be, and the better chance we have for happiness. And that's why we're doing this whole thing. You know, that in and of itself, sort of the goal is a bit ambiguous, and it's probably a little bit different for all of us. But like I said before, I think by creating more calm in my life, it quiets the monkey mind that's really the thing that was driving me crazy and getting in the way of all that, um, of being in my R. It was all that noise, right? Imagine if you're listening to music and you really want to hear the song and there's just background noise. There's kids screaming and people yelling and other music on and pots and pans rattling. And you just can't focus that, that feeling of wanting to focus in on something but not being able to f- because of all of this noise. That's what I'm talking about. Imagine if we could filter through the noise of life and just get closer to what a true ex- experiential <laughs> existence would be. I mean, that, that's what I'm after. It's like I said before, in IFS and meditation, I have reached states in my mind that are the reason I tried psychedelic drugs. Like these are the experiences I wanted to have and why I reached outside of myself to try to find them. Because they do work like that, but they're they're in us all along, right? The access is there, uh, but 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 we have to make some trade offs, and you know, trade offs is one of these ecology and evolution sort of terms that we talk about we talk about all the time in the sciences. It's sort of like if you want to be a tall plant and invest all of your energy in getting tall before all everybody around you grows, so you grow really fast. What's going to happen is you don't invest a lot of structural tissue in support, right? What you invest in is adding cells vertically so that you go up quick. Now, what happens is once you get two or three feet tall, your body isn't strong enough to support you and you topple over. You made a trade-off. You said, I wanted to grow quick. You got the energy first. You, you won in that respect, but you lost because of what you traded for, which was support. And rigidity. If you think about that, it's kind of that's why trees have wood, right? To give them that support. Anyway, maybe a bad example, but very off the cuff, and you know that's uh, the first one I came up with. <laughs> uh, but so, what what are we trading off? And let, let me give you an example of me. So, my big issue, as you probably know if you've watched this before, as is codependency, people pleasing. Like I, I, I can only really I, I learned to value myself when I recognize that my behavior made other people pleased with me. So I, may, I I learned that I made other people happy by doing what they wanted me to do. And this also gets over into like conflict avoidance, right? Because if there was conflict, I obviously was not doing what I was supposed to do. So I had to figure out how to avoid that, work around that so there was no conflict. You know, it's about, about monitoring other people's attention on me and, and trying to manage and manipulate that into being positive. That was my big thing. And so, so 
what I'm trading off is, is or what I want to do is less of that, right? Is realize, learn that I've got value, that I don't have to behave how someone expects me to behave because, A, I don't know what that is. B, it's egotistical and manipulative to think that I can control another person or would want to, right? There's so many reasons not to do that. Um, but at the end of the day, in order to stop doing that or to, in order to learn how to focus more on myself and getting my personal needs met, I have to not do the very thing that I've learned is what makes people value me, right? I have to spend less time paying attention to other people so that I could pay more attention to me. That's a massive trade-off. And it's a scary trade-off, right? It's a real sacrifice because if you believe my, you know, what I learned, believe for 35, 40 years of my life that if I don't do what these people want, my wife, my parents, my kids, and then they're going to abandon me because they're not going to love me anymore. That's pretty scary. And to, so to think that the solution to my problem is to face that very beast, <laughs> you know, that's a massive trade-off. I have to step up and go, I'm going to give up all the security and, you know, um, um, pacifying of my fears in order to make this step forward that I don't even know if it's going to work or not. <laughs> I mean, that's just massive. It's a leap. It's faith, right? It's a huge, massive leap of faith, and that's that's what it requires. It's a true sacrifice. But that's but that's going to happen across the board, whatever it is that you want to do. If you want to quit smoking or any other kind of addiction, you're going to have to trade off the discomfort of experiencing whatever withdrawal symptoms are associated with whatever you're addicted to, or just the lack of a dopamine hit or the depressive state that you're going to get because you're not going to have the thing that you want. If you're going to go on a diet, you're going to have to deal with the discomfort of hunger. In order to get the benefit of not being addicted to something and losing weight or being healthier, you're going to have to pay the piper in a massive load of bad feelings. <laughs> you know, if in order to get better, you're going to have to get feel worse. And that's shitty. And why is it does it feel so good to do the bad thing? I mean, it's a massive dopamine hit to sit and crush through a gallon of ice cream and a bag of Doritos or smoke a pack of cigarettes, but to not do that, it's like you're, you know, pulling teeth. Who designed that system? Why is it not rewarding to eat broccoli? You know, why is it not rewarding to go jogging? Why is it hard to do the things that are good for us? Anyway, I guess there wouldn't be trade-offs, right? If we didn't do it that way. There's a whole lot of there's a whole nother metaphysical, philosophical, psychological, neurological discussion wrapped up in that thing, but I'm not gonna touch it. I'm not ready for it. Um but yeah, so I mean basically anytime you're you you want something new, I mean it all comes down to carrying capacity, right? Resources are not unlimited. You can't just continually eat ice cream without there being some result. You know, enough stimulus happens, the response is going to happen. That's just the way everything works. Any matters neither to create it or destroy it, just change forms. But anytime some of it moves, it affects everything around it. And so there's going to be repercussions of your actions. Stimuli are going to create responses. You know, changes over here are going to change over here. Anytime you want X, you're going to have to consider Y. There is no lone wolf like we, you know, we talked about last week. There's no one lives in a vacuum. Everything is... And this is another massive pile of evidence that said, tells you there is no individual. We're all connected. Everything that happens... 
you know, it happens to everything. It's, I'm sorry. And it may be, there may be so much distance or, you know, steps, intermediate steps between a stimulus and ultimate response that you don't even notice it. But now if I go up and shove somebody on the side of a cliff, their body's going to fall off of it, you know? But now that pet one little piece of pebble that falls as that person hits it on the way down and it rolls into like a little burrow of some worm and the worm gets a scratch and get, and get you know, that stuff, we're never going to see it. It's kind of like that butterfly effect. It, it, I, I hate the way it's sort of been changed. It's kind of like the secret, how it's been modified by pop culture into something that seems woo-woo and silly. But ultimately, it, it, it is true. All the molecules of the Earth will move when one molecule moves because there's no, literally no space <laughs> in between them. Um, that's how connected everything is. But again, 90% of this stuff is going to be Im- imperceptible and certainly not as massive as I didn't have a cigarette today and now I'm so angry I put my fist through the wall. And that's a pretty obvious, you know, trade-off, <laughs> I guess. Uh, and, and in this case, the why, the variable that we're... You know, we're trading something for something. It's like where there's a loss and a gain, I guess. It's a plus or a minus. There's a yin, there's a yang, there's a black, there's a white. However you want to look at it, there's a good, there's a bad, there's a plus, there's a minus. In this case, the plus is more calm, right? Is is being in a state of mind that makes us more open to having a human experience uh, and flowing, flowing with, unfolding with the experience Instead of resisting it. I mean, and that's the, you know, that may be the better metaphor for it. It's like, I'm tired of resistance. I just want to flow, man. I know I'm a part of this earth. And I watch a leaf fall into a stream and flow down. And it may do some weird things and get stuck behind a rock and sink and float. And, but it's doing what it's supposed to do. And it's not resisting what's happening to it. In my life, if I use that stream metaphor, I feel like, I'm distracted by being, you know, trying to figure out how I can alter and control, you know, the flow path that I'm on. When in reality, what would create more peace and calm and joy is to just let go, right? So it's like the resistance creates the problems. I choose to resist the world and fight against it and say, no, not that, this. And that's where the problems start. But the process of going, all right, all right, that you're right. I'm part of you, and you're telling me where to go. You know that it, 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 I, it sounds really crazy, and I don't really know how to talk about it anymore. Than next, I don't know what it is or what it means. But that process seems whatever the you know not resistance, but sort of just abandonment to the unfolding process, or 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 leaping into the abyss, or having faith, whatever. Choosing to not resist, the not doing of being afraid, go a couple episodes back, what are you afraid of? All of a sudden to me, over the course of the last year or so, there's a lot of wisdom and appeal in that path. And of course, the fear of that path, the trade-off you think you're going to make is by relinquishing control you're going to lose all the good stuff that you've worked so hard for. So the, the illusion there is that this resistance is what's creating the peace. It's what's creating all the things in your life that are good. You have made them happen. 
You have manipulated the world somehow to be in your benefit. And if you relax that, it's all going to crumble like a house of cards. I don't know if that's right, but I'm beginning to think that it isn't. You know, and 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 I think I've been thinking about this a lot lately. This idea of luck versus the idea that people make what they have, right? And so wealthy people are like, I've worked hard for all this, and I deserve all of it, and I deserve not to pay taxes, and I deserve whatever because I worked hard. Because work, hard work plus grit plus more hard work equals success and money, or whatever that math looks like. And I always say, what about the luck variable? What about the privilege variable? What about the fact that, you know, you were born in Hawaii and there were waves in your backyard and you became a uh, professional surfer versus the dude that was born in Iowa and was like, what's the ocean look like? I want to be a professional. You know, who's going to win? There's some element of, of, of that you can't control in the math, right? There are these very other variables that people don't consider. And so I'm just wanting, wanting to be like, well, what other variables are in that model? Maybe that model really has nothing to do with the grit. Maybe that's just a part of it. Maybe there's a way to do that hard work that's different, that works even better, you know, that, that equates to even more wealth. And, uh, you know, because the funny thing, if you get into the domestication, the American dream part of what KEW is all about, the R versus should problem, the end result of that work super hard, works even even harder, and then work a little bit harder and you're successful, what we're seeing everywhere, and if you're watching or listening to this, you are one of these people, but likely, is that the success that you get, the fact that you won the boardwalk with four hotels in the, you know, the the game of life does not deliver on the solution you thought it was gonna solve. You still have fear. You still have discomfort. You still have dissatisfaction or unsatisfaction. You still have strife. And you're like, I don't understand. I won. I put in all the hard work. I got all the accolades everybody said I was going to have. I got millions of dollars in the Ferrari and the white picket fence and the wife and the mistress and the two kids. Whatever it is you think you had to have, yet people that realize those dreams are still looking for something else. And so... There is evidence that that model doesn't work. It might be missing some variables. And all I'm saying is surrender <laughs> as a trade-off to the flow of the world might be, might be a model we might want to experiment with. That's, and that's where I'm at. It's like, uh, we, I've seen what doesn't work. I see the evidence out there that this doesn't work. I just have a gut feeling that this doesn't work. So what is going to work? And And... And a lot of this is wrapped up in these trade-offs. And probably the biggest trade-off goes back to the fear episode is, how am I going to stop doing whatever I've created, whatever IFS part I have created to pacify myself away from fear and discomfort? How am I going to then stop stopping that and allow that to come back into my life? Because that's terrifying. The very, the very things you are afraid of, we're saying, well, you may have to deal with those now. But actually, doesn't that make total sense? <laughs> you know, that, that, that whatever we've been running away from our whole lives, the most severe things that scare us the most, maybe running away from them isn't the solution to the problem. <laughs> you know, maybe building walls around countries to keep each other away or fighting wars to hurt one another or not communicating or hoarding or you know fighting or not whatever maybe whatever we're doing is bad 
<laughs> whatever. Maybe we're wrong in that what we've been doing is actually benefiting us. And just for a moment, can we entertain the fact that, well, there, there might be a different way that has better results. This way might actually be producing bad results. The way that we define good and bad results and success and failure could be wrong. Like there always should be room for that adaptive management element where we check in periodically and go, okay, what are we doing? What do we want? Why is this good? Why is this bad? What do our results look like? Because otherwise, otherwise we, we get stuck. I mean, the powers of domestication and our habits of, of assuming everything is going to be the same when it's always changing, which is just a, one of the worst things about being a human being I think that there is, is that for some reason we have this idea that w- w- things need to be the same all day in and day out in order for us to be safe. But in reality, things are always going to change anyway. So that whole fight right there is just a big pile of resistance, you know, that's we're spending all this energy resisting these natural things that we just need to surrender to. And so there's two different pathways right there that I've laid out sort of spontaneously that describe a potential solution to a problem is to stop struggling against the flow of things and to just abandon ourselves to it. So there's a huge element of faith. There's a huge trade-off for fear of the unknown, because we've been doing this thing our whole lives, our family's whole lives, everything we've ever been told says we got to do it this way. Even though we're starting to say, I don't know that that works, we're still resistant to abandoning ourselves to some abyss of unknown. But I really honestly think that there has to be some element of that abandonment, of that that type of a trade-off. And I think it's faith. I think it's that missing piece, you know, where you got love in your life, you got shelter in your life. You know, it's like Maslow's hierarchy, Maslow's hierarchy of needs or whatever. Some element in there is that you need something to believe in that you just, that you have no reason or evidence or practical, you know, being a part of something that's so much bigger than yourself that you don't understand it, but you do it anyway, (laughs) right? I don't know if that's in there. But, you know, like what religion was at one time, what spirituality was at one time, what membership into a village and ancestry um, and being a part of the universe is. You don't have to understand it, you know, but you have to admit that you are a part of it and then be willing and open to do whatever it is that you need to do to make a contribution to that thing. It's And it goes back to this idea that we are individuals that are a part of a society, a, a, a community. So it's like individualism on one part. We have to realize that. we got to do those things. we got to develop our unique talents and, and contribute those to the world. We have to. It's part of what the purpose of life is. Simultaneously, and in the same and different ways, we have to be a, a communalist type of, type of organism that participates with all the other people and elements in the rest of our uh, immediate surroundings and, and universe. And there's trade-offs in there too, because it's like you 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 have faith that if you help your neighbor build their house, then when you need something, your neighbors are going to help you build your house. And we are so far from that <laughs> right now. Maybe at the local level, you know, I feel like my neighbors would help me if I needed stuff. And, you know, I'd probably help them. I admit it's probably more on me than them because, you know, they need a lot more than I do as far as like they work farms and they have a lot of things going on. And if if I gave it a 10-year budget, I'd say nine times out of 10, one of them's going to need my help more often than I'm going to need their help. But that's probably just a bad way of looking at it. 
And I'm not really talking about that level anyway. You know, it's more like, uh, what can I do to make the lives better of as many people around me as possible? Not just doing a favor for one person for 20 minutes one time, right? How, how, do, we, how do we open up the channels of energy flow between us and break down these barriers that we just keep throwing more and more and more up? The trade-offs there are that we're... The trade-off is you spend more time on your phone, or even me doing this more time on, through digital media without another person in my house, um, trading those types of experiences for more direct contact, more interaction, even if it makes us uncomfortable, and even if we, we might think we don't want to be around the types of people that we might be around. I don't know. I really don't. But I think what we're doing is we're making choices for more and more increasingly isolating. And that's a tr- that we're trading the experiences and interactions for other people for what? For maybe an immediate payoff of a dopamine hit, but what are we really losing in the long run? You know, how 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 do we get to places that we get our how do we get into things into trouble that we seem to get ourselves into? Well, that's how. You know, by not connecting generation upon generation, the further we go through time, the fewer opportunities there are to connect and the increased amount of isolation um, mechanisms there are. And so this is something I think we need to watch out for. And I hope that you'll join me in sort of some submission of saying, where am I missing an opportunity for a connection that ends up being a bad trade-off that I don't want? You know, what am I actually doing here? And choosing to stay by myself and what, or do this alone or not to talk to that person. I'm choosing to isolate myself, which is a trade. Temporary comfort um, or not having to face temporary discomfort or fear of interacting with another person. Long-term isolation mechanism that's only going to make that harder and harder and harder and harder and harder. And then where are we? Anyway... On that depressing note, (laughs) this has been episode 89 with Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom. Trade-offs. Think about what you're doing when you make these deals with yourself. I'm Chris Bircher, and I'll see you next week. Take it easy.